Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of Phoenix Security Limited. Phoenix helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security supply chain visibility by leveraging the power of correlation and contextualization. Discover how Phoenix Security helps CISO and security engineers act fast, prevent burnout, and implement DevSecOps at the speed of cloud. Phoenix Security. Correlate, contextualize, and act on risk with one click. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we take a little bit of a different approach on our uh, non-stop, non-stream cybersecurity message about application security and cloud security. And we focus a little bit more on how you can grow your team and your skills. And we have a very good champions of this approach, Jitenda, a good friend, and a person that I look up to for the change that is making in the industry. So... Before starting everything, Jitenda, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about you. What's your role, what you're doing, and what's your view for the world of cyber? Oh, thanks. Very broad question, Frank. Um, and thanks for having me. I'm Jitenda Arora. Everybody calls me Jit. I'm the North-South Europe CISO at Deloitte. Quite an interesting role compared to, you know, um, advisory side, which is advising people. It's about defending the organization like fellow CISOs and the fellow defenders. I have been in the industry for more than 20 years now, done a variety of roles from, you know, running security operations, then going running operational risk, focusing on second line risk, and now coming back to the being a CISO. I think industry is changing a lot. We know we keep talking about how threat landscape is evolving, some of the recent things that we have seen. I always say it's a very exciting area, very challenging area, but at the same time, a very rewarding area because the kind of work we do it's, uh, it's very fulfilling because we are actually defending people. We are defending the organization, society, and in you know, large, actually, the nations as well. So it's a quite, uh, I call it our profession. Eventually, you will get to a point where it will become like a noble profession, like firefighters, like doctors, like, like lawyers, people who are really defending the nation and our interest of the people. So, yeah, a lot has changed. A lot is changing. But that keeps it very exciting. Right. And... You're a big champion for people in the, in the industry and people that want to get in this industry. And this is what I would like to explore today because you really made a difference and an impact. And this can be taken in by all the leaders because we have a shortage. We, we clearly have a shortage of people. We don't have, we can't train enough people. And even when we train them, we burn them out because we don't have enough people. So it's like... A vicious cycle. So how, how, in your opinion, we can break this cycle? See, I personally think we don't have a talent shortage. Okay. We talk about this fiber talent shortage. I don't think we have a talent shortage. I think we're not being open-minded and creative enough to look harder for the skills. And the way I explain this is, you know, we need to have a focus on buy versus build model. We mm -hmm. focus a lot on buy skills, which basically means going to the market and saying people need to have five years experience, seven years experience, 10 years experience. So what we are doing is we are simply hoping that there is some mechanism which is working 
which is injecting more cyber talent into the market. As the demand is increasing, it's someone else's problem. Someone else should be doing that. What we are not focusing on is the build part of the skills, mm -hmm. build part of the cyber talent, which basically means there are so many other skills. So if you look at how hybrid work and how COVID transition, you know, we made a change to the society. Some jobs got really displaced as a result of that. And now for me, that's an opportunity for people who are coming with such an right. amazing skills and talents. For example, you know, whether you talk about communication skills, you talk about stakeholder management, you talk about analytical abilities. So there's so many other skills out there that people generally gather over the experience working in the industry. What they do not have is the subject matter expertise. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take long. If people have the right motivation, they are driven. It takes not long for them to come up to the speed. You just need to provide the support structure, some help and support to learn those skills. And they become, they start becoming very productive again. So I personally think we just have to open up our mind to the art of possibilities. So we had examples where somebody from mechanical engineering coming and becoming one of our incident responders. How cool is that? And then yeah. some, somebody who is a teacher, you know, well, you know, one, one, one amazing person we hired, she's a teacher and then a primary school teacher, but having great skills. And it's, and it's about giving the confidence that you will not be left alone because I know it can be very daunting. It could be mm -hmm. very, and, you know, difficult to say, you know, how am I going to go and settle into a big organization where the expectations are there from the day one? And my conversation has was always about if you have the right motivation, right skills, and the, all the good skills you carry, we will provide you the support structure. We will provide you the buddy. We will provide you the support mechanism to be successful and also thrive in the industry. And we are also seeing so many examples like that where people are thriving, enjoying. And now what we have done, we have injected some new talent in the pool who yes. is not thinking about cyber. And that way, we are not just helping them, but we are helping our profession and our society a lot more by increasing the cyber talent pool. No, and, and you know, that's that's a massive thing because you get the support of a leader, the support of an organization. I think that that is where you make it or break it in this retrainer because it's super easy to say, okay, yes, let's open the talent pool, but it's not just getting the first person on the footstep of the door, but it's nurturing talent yeah. ongoing for quite a long time. And I found that people that want to pivot in this industry are actually super motivated because they have to prove themselves or yeah. they feel they have to prove themselves. And I've seen several examples where the motivation of people without taking anything from people that come out of university, but there is there are very good and skilled motivated people, but there is also a little bit of sense of entitlement on when you when you go out of university that you know it all and it's it's a hard approach when reality hits but if you are reskilling and i don't know if you saw the same as i saw if you are reskilling you really want to prove yourself you really want to hone in on that opportunity but that can also burn out people so on on right good as you said how can you nurture from day one into an organization how can you create that support structure and how all on question how can you get the talent in because it's it's difficult to get and say, like a mechanical engineer, how do you get to these people? Yeah, so I think first, it's very important that we as a profession and the people who are working in security, we need to go and spend and give our time and spend some time with the academy. Mm -hmm. We need to go and speak to the students. 
I am in a very privileged position that I get invited to speak to some universities. And when I started doing that, I realized students were are really craving for some guidance coming up mm-hmm. from the leaders to say, because security itself, if you think about it, you can go into incident response, you can go into security architecture, risk and compliance. There's so many different areas you can pivot your career to. What's right for the person? How do they decide? I personally believe if you align people to what they love and they align to their strengths, they thrive a lot more and they bring a lot more to the organization. So first, the, I personally think the first step starts from engaging in the academia and in the university, giving our time so that students can ask questions. And that's where the leaders have to lean in and, to, and give that time. And when I speak to the students in the university, I talk to them about the importance of the person's resilience and the well-being, you have to start building that from the outset. You don't have to right. suddenly go to the corporate and saying, I'm not going to start focusing on the well-being. We don't talk about these things a lot more. We expect a lot more from the younger generation they're coming in, but we don't tell them the pitfalls, what to look for. Mm. Because stress, burnout does not happen on just a day. It's not like a flick of a switch. It creeps on the you. So the stress and number of factors keep mounting over the time and then some, and then you reach a threshold point, and that's where the burnout happens. You have to, and that's where educating our younger generation on the science for those, how to go about managing, how to have a good balance and good harmony in terms of, you know, multi, you you might be having multiple priorities, competing priorities. I tell you what, mm-hmm. one one simple discussion I have with students, they mm-hmm. felt they cannot say no when they join the corporate. That will be held against them. Right. And I said absolutely okay to say no. If you think you have what five tasks that you're trying to do and suddenly you're my leader is now saying this is you need to do this as well. Go back and ask the question to say how important is this? Do we <laughs> do I need to do this within next one week or do I need to do this in next one month? These are the five things I have. So can you please help me prioritize? And as leaders, that's our job to help them prioritize. But I, it was very interesting, fascinating for me that student thought it was not okay. It will be held right. against they ask this question. So we need to have these conversations and give them those tools and techniques to focus on the person's resilience from the outset and then create the support network, which basically means when they're joining, for example, we have the concept, we and I assign a buddy who is uh, mm-hmm. generally that buddy is somebody who was a graduate. Three years ago, three years ago. So they were in their shoes. They still have that memory. So in a way, somebody who who, who you who you can identify yourself with, somebody who was there before, somebody who feels looks like you, somebody who you can associate with you, that creates such a powerful support network that they can lean on so in, in case they need help because all of us need help from time to time. And I teach another thing, which is being vulnerable is a sign of strength. If you feel you need help, ask. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And you need to build that ethos, that culture from the outset. Oh, and that's that's fantastic. Create an environment that nurture people. But in we all well know that like, the big four is an extremely gruesome and challenging environment and it's super fast space. So how, as a leader, did you manage to create this bubble that enabled to foster these people without uh, putting them in a grind, in a meat grinder, because it's super easy to actually get 
question over question. So how do you create that fantastic wall around people that enable them to foster and then to be able to, with resilience, to actually take on the work and the, and the work? Culture is something that does not happen overnight. Mm. It's a very relentless effort as a leader. So when I came into the organization, I started thinking about what culture I want to foster and embed within my function, within my team. It was very much about the values. It was very much about me showing and exhibiting those behaviors as a leader. And we have to do that over and over and over for a period of time. And then what you see is this culture starts to trickle down. Your people, your leaders starts mimicking your behaviors. Others start mimicking your behaviors. I still have this concept of virtual hallway. When we move to the COVID, I love interacting with people. I, I believe we are social individuals. So interacting with people, connecting with people really energizes me. And when COVID happened, suddenly we were sitting in isolation right. in, our, in our small rooms. And when you go on to Zoom conversations, it's a transaction. I call it transaction conversation. So you mm-hmm. have a defined discussion and then you say bye. You get to the next conversation, which is a transaction conversation. So that and building that relationship and sense of belonging, the sense of shared purpose doesn't exist. So I said, how, how do I navigate through that? Because I was missing not being able to connect with my people. People know when I'm right. in the office, I don't have back-to-back meetings. I keep some meetings. I go around to talk to people. So I, I introduced the concept of virtual model. So what I will do is I will reach out to some people, just ping them and saying, hey, can I have a conversation? Do you have five minutes? Initially, <laughs> I started reacting like, oh, why is Jit is calling me? Because I'm, I'm an analyst. I'm oh, in trouble. <laughs> in trouble. This was literally, I could see nervousness. I could see a, a bit of um, nervousness in the voice. And then started becoming, so when we start conversation, second time got better, third time. And then sometimes that five minute turned into 20 minutes. I learned about families. I learned about their challenge. I learned about dogs. Yeah, so I learned about people's, you know, dogmate, their family, what they're facing challenges with. I learned about how some people were, they didn't have enough shared space to work with. And so it allows you to connect at the human, human level. Mm-hmm. It takes effort, it takes time, but it's important. And when you start doing that, I think the culture, and then some people start saying, when I call them saying, I was waiting, when are you going to call me? So it's one of those things. It's nice. It's a, so it's it's about and the comfort and the safe space gets created not by words but by conversations. Mm-hmm. You have to connect at the emotional level, and then when people start feeling that okay, this is this is a safe space, I can say no, or I can raise a hand to ask for help. And the support structure that you were talking about, I think that comes down to the fact that talking to my leaders putting that structure in place, asking the feedback from our people to see what is it that you want? What is it working? What is not working? My view could be a very different view from right. somebody who's working at the operation level. So that continuous feedback loop is very important. But again, as I said, that feedback is only going to come if they feel safe. That feedback is only going to come when the feedback is given and we see something changing. I was heard. I was understood. And as a result of that, in a very transparent manner, some changes have happened in, a, in the spirit to make it better. And that's right. cycle news. So again, it's all about conversation. It's all about being human 
And it's also also about being open and honest and creating that environment where people feel comfortable to share and talk. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of Phoenix Security Limited. Phoenix helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security supply chain visibility by leveraging the power of correlation and contextualization. Phoenix Platform connects to your repositories, scanners, and cloud, correlates all the information, and provides you with a prioritized list of vulnerabilities that need to be addressed first. Discover how Phoenix Security helps CISOs and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at phoenix.security. Phoenix Security. Correlate, contextualize, and act on risk with one click. That is probably the one of the biggest drivers that I see from attracting people and attracting other talent because you don't need to market the marketplace or, or the workplace because other people say, I enjoy working there. <laughs> Come and work with us. Yeah. Right. And, I, and not just that, I think we talk about retention is a big problem, right? Right. I well. always say whenever you're going to change a job, you will always, there's an insider in market is such, you will always get a love, you earn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That novelty of the paycheck or some increment and some, you know, some more money that wears off in two or three months, first month you enjoy, second month you enjoy, third month, and then you stop paying attention. What you start paying attention to is, am I enjoying it? Am I loving it? And that feeling of enjoyment and sense of belonging comes from the culture. So if you create the right culture, right support environment, actually it helps you retain people because people don't, because that's something special. They don't want to leave because they believe Mm -hmm. in the mission. They believe in what they're doing. And that's also requires a regular conversation to show people who are somebody who's working analyst how their work is contributing towards the strategic objectives of the organization. And, right. and that's very important because you need to connect the work that people are doing towards the strategic objectives and how that is helping organization to move forward. No, and I think that's fantastic because sometimes in, in organizations like this, especially if you come from outside, you're not used to a corporate environment, you you feel you're just a part of a process or a cog in a process. And as you rightfully say, it's over time it can wear you out because saying like, what what value do I bring to this organization? What have I done? And there is a lot of self-doubt, especially for people that retrain that comes. No, that's that's fantastic. And I admire you because it takes a lot of courage to actually be vulnerable to make that safe space. How can other leaders take that example? Is Do you follow a specific framework? Have you brought a framework about this? Because I think... I, I, I personally believe we, we sometimes get too stuck on frameworks and different... Everybody has their own way. <laughs> For me, this is all about being human. It's just being who we are. Just I some, sometimes I, I don't realize it even till date when I go and speak to students or my people, they make me realize oh, and you know, mm. it's so great to have your time and everything else because suddenly people feel because I'm a partner, I'm a senior, you know, I'm unapproachable. But you have to break that barrier. You have to lean in. As a leader, I don't have to wait for people to come to me. It's my job right. to lean in and reach out to my people. And if there is no, when you think about being vulnerable, this is also about raising my hand to say, I need help. There are cases in my life where, you know, I had a, a you know, health situation where I needed to focus on that. 
So I had to ask my leaders to say, this is what's happening, being very honest and authentic, and tell them and say, I need your help. Wow. And, and I can tell you, my leaders rise up like never. I do not know that they beyond my expectations to help and support me when I needed it. And then it's about talking to people. It's about sharing your story. We don't share, right? We don't mm. talk about it. I have my fair share of challenges in my career and I talk about them openly. I tell people what, what those challenges have been. I couldn't speak English until university. So when I came to UK, my English was not that good. I had to work hard and that meant it was very difficult for me to even open up or have a conversation. I was, I was, I preferred to be introvert sitting on one side of the office, <laughs> just doing my job, just writing up report, doing my job and not talk to anyone because I felt very nervous about it. So mm-hmm. we have to share our stories. I think what a very good friend of mine encouraged me to do. So he said, you know, you never know your story may connect with someone exactly. who might be in the same position to say, if you could do it, I could do it too. And that's what we need to do. So th- I don't think it's a framework. It's just about being human. It's about being connecting with people, talking to people, and being open about our journeys. And I think as leaders, we should be a lot more open about our journeys, our challenges, our struggles. And so that people feel that, you know, it's not just, it's not that we are superhuman so that we are able to do it. <laughs> we have our own share of challenges and also Talk about how we overcome. If we have successfully found our tools and techniques to do so, how do we do that? So a very simple example, you know, every morning without failing, I ask myself, it's written on my whiteboard, I ask myself to rate on rag rating. I say, whether mm-hmm. I'm red apple how I'm feeling? Am I feeling red apple <laughs> So Is it I, because of GLC? Yeah, it's, it's, it's introspecting. How am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Before I ask anybody else how you feel, I'm asked myself, how am I feeling? Enough I feel that I'm not in a good space. I introspect to say, okay, what can I do to do some change? I don't lose a lot. End of the day, every end of the day, before literally finishing my day and going to sleep, I always think about two or three things I'm thankful for. The gratitude, you will be surprised how much it improves your quality of life and how it gets you a lot more resilient, a lot more balanced in your life. We talk about cyber skills. We talk about technical skills. I think our challenges, that's easy. We don't talk about life skills, the life struggles of life challenges. And that's what we, and, and to coming to your point of the new people that are coming into the workforce corporate world, it could be daunting, you know? Mm-hmm. So we need to put our arms around them and tell them it's okay. It's okay. We were there too. And, and we are not alone. <laughs> it, it is true. It is very true. And I think you touched on a, on a, on a very important point that is life skill that I don't know why it, it's not taught at university, like resiliency skills or life or, or very basic skills that, you know, technical stuff you can always learn. There is YouTube, there is books, there is peers. Mentorship is, is what helped me and what drove me to actually have this conversation and also mentor other because I believe in karma and you do good, you receive good. And Lost time, absolutely. And I, and I tell you what, when I spoke to university, I was invited to university first time to Warwick University. I think people were expecting, CISA is coming up, he's going to talk about security. And I didn't <laughs> talk about security at all. I said, that's, you have been studying about it. Your lecture, your lecturers are, and, you know, they have so much of knowledge to tell you everything about it. 
I'm going to tell you about something that nobody else is talking, which is life skills, which is this fundamental skills that you need, some of the essential business skills, life skills that you need to navigate through not just the cyber, but through complexities of the corporate life and complexities of when you will actually leave university and one day you will be sitting in a chair and actually doing real work. So mm-hmm. that you need to know how to prepare yourself to get to that point. And, and then when that day comes, you feel comfortable, you feel confident. Yeah, I think that's, that's something I never never thought too much about it, but it's, it's really important. It's really, it helps people be resilient because if you're confident in yourself, if you're well-structured, if you're not overwhelmed by feelings, or if you at least know how to deal with that overwhelming, you really succeed in life. You can really yeah. drive forward. And our field is is full of stress. Like you mentioned it before our podcast, you know, there is a landscape that is ever-changing in cyber and we have to deal with events that are external to us and not get all wrapped up in emotion or at least know how to deal with emotion. I really appreciate this. And I think you should write more about this and you should share more about this because this is the framework for me, <laughs> in my opinion. We come almost close, unfortunately, to the end of the time in our conversation. I think we shared an enormous amount of very good, very positive message, but we always like to leave our audience with a positive message on anything that you want in cyber. Like if there was one fundamental thing that helped you navigate the challenge of cyber and the challenge of life, and if you want to leave with the last message, what would that be, Jit? See, one thing which I, sometimes whenever somebody asks me this question, I always think about what's the advice I would give to myself if I I was a student? (laughs) Because that would have helped me. And I think one of the fundamental things I have learned is in our culture, we were always taught being selfish is wrong. I now think being selfish is very, very important. The analogy is, just like in plane, they say, put your oxygen mask first before you put the oxygen mm-hmm. mask to work. So I think we need to think about our well-being, our resilience, because if we are feeling well, if we are doing well, then we can take care of others, the organization, the job, the role, our teams are not better. And I will just break it down in terms of when I say being selfish. It's about creating a good balance in your life. So, you know, when you start, as example, when I was very workaholic, I was still workaholic. When, when you start in the career, you put all the energy and time in your work because you right. want to prove, you want to show you have arrived. And, and what we do is we took a lot of things in our personal life from the backboard. And what we don't realize it is life will have different shades. Sometimes work will create stress or the personal life will create stress. And you need to have some harmony that is working. So it's balancing off and offsetting some stress, which is coming to example. I didn't have a hobby for a very, very long time because I always felt guilty taking time mm-hmm. because I was busy work and family. So I always thought if I take time for a hobby and do something for me, nobody else for me, then I felt guilty about taking that time from my family or work. Now, knowing everything I know, I realize that creates such a nice balance in my life that it takes my mind away from complexities of work. It takes my mind away. I I love playing tennis. 
it takes my come you know all the family challenges so when i come back i am better version of myself whether it comes to work leader as a, at work or as the member of the family so it's very important personal care and investing in your own personal development and when i say personal development is not just about technical skills it's about personal development and personal care from the life skills a bit of a hobby a balance in life i think that goes a long way in going through the complexities of life or the challenges that when they arrive because i always say life is like a side curve right when you put a mm-hmm. pulse monitor it goes up and down <laughs> life line is a sign of life all right so life is like this we will have peaks and troughs we will have ups and downs but if you actually invest in your personal care personal development and create that structure around you that support structure around you i think then you will be all right it will time will come when you will be tested but you will be all right yeah if you have it becomes an arm like you it become an arm of peace and balance and i, I really like that i yeah. think that's that's something that's going to stick with me for a while so jit thank you so much for this enlightened conversation I, that it gave me two or three things to even think about in myself and for everybody i hope you yeah. enjoy the conversation if you have done mentorship if you have been in a leader role please share with your community because this kind of conversation helps other people learn something or have at least a seed that helps our industry to get better by learning from other and by as jit said being human so thank you so But, much one last question if if anybody want to listen more or see more about you how can they follow you or see what you write about do you have a blog do you have the thing is i'm generally a shy person when it comes to social media and everything else but i do linkedin is one platform because one of my very good friend encouraged me to say you should talk about some of these things because it's important to share so i do share like that i know linkedin but i personally believe in giving time so i go and spend a lot of time with universities i do go and speak at some places in you know, conversation like these about making that impact and and that's why i'm going investing time in universities investing time and also mentoring some people to some of the um, you know associations that have i help So yeah but if anybody wants to reach out please reach out to me and if you're hosting an event you would like for me to come and talk and and share my journey share my stories hopefully i always say if out of 10 or 100 people if it helps one person that's worth it that's worth it you touch so, yeah but thank you frank for inviting me and thank you for having you know giving me a chance to have this conversation i enjoyed it and and i'm hoping it helps some people No, it's brilliant and I hope that it reach as many people as we can and we need to do more of this uh, maybe in person in live because as you said yeah. Zoom and podcast and any conversation is transactional we want to do this as a human to human so Jane yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show and everybody listen to this share more and be balanced thank you so much goodbye thanks bye We hope you enjoyed today's episode please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com.